Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time to come and to share together. And as we think about, um, as we think about pests and diseases in the garden, it reminds us of how we have an adversary in even our spiritual lives as well. And Father, I pray that you would teach us to deal with the root problem. And, and you have done that, actually. And I thank you for that. And I pray that you would um, teach us uh, through nature that we would learn more about you and how you work and how you deal with us and uh, the relationship that you long to have with us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I want to start out by introducing you to two different paradigms. Do you know what a paradigm is? Yeah, it's a way of looking at life. Um, so, um, I believe that these, these two paradigms are, are not only true in the realm of agriculture, but they, they are true in, in the rest of life as well. But I'm going to talk about them from the, the realm of agriculture, and, and I think you'll, you'll recognize how to, how to make application otherwise. Um, so the, the first paradigm says that the insect pest or disease is the problem. It's the cause. It's damaging and reducing our expected harvest. And, and so since this pest or disease is causing our problem and damaging our harvest, we need to eliminate it. Makes sense, right? So we are searching for some way to kill the pest or the disease. And in this, in this paradigm, where is our focus? On the pest, right. Okay, the second paradigm says only weakened or stressed plants are susceptible to insect or disease pressure. The insect pest or disease is evidence or a sign that the plant is stressed or weakened. To reduce or eliminate the pest or disease we must discover what's causing the stress and what's weakening the plant. Does that make sense? Okay. Now, most often, whatever is stressing the plant or, or weakening it is at the root level. Okay? It's usually something in the soil. Not always. But most of the time, that's where it is. Um, there can also be something else, like too much sun or too little, um, too much water or not enough water, too hot or too cold. You know, there are, there are a number of other things that are not in the soil that could be stressing your plant. But um, anyways, the focus here is what is going to make my plant thrive, okay? What, what is needed for my plant to do well? 
So which paradigm would you prefer to live with? <laughs> Number... <laughs> So we like the second one. Um, now, one thing I now I don't know if, if you're if you're seeing connections here to to the, some of the other realms, as in health, and maybe as in spirituality and whatever. <laughs> there's a there's two different ways of looking at things. So um, one thing I want to be clear on is that these two paradigms, these two different paradigms, are not the difference between conventional agriculture and organic agriculture. Okay? There is a difference between conventional agriculture and organic agriculture, but these two, par these, these two paradigms are not describing that difference. In other words, you can... You can organically, using organic materials, operate in the first paradigm. Okay? This is, these are two different ways of looking at life. So, um, some people might want to, you know, be wondering, what then is the difference between organic and, and synthetic chemical poisons? The... Um, the primary difference is that organic poisons are, are naturally derived from something already existing in nature, and two is they, they tend to degrade rapidly. So they're not effective for a long period of time. The, chemi the, the synthetic chemical ones, they're, they're often made so that they're effective for a long period of time. You know, people have spent money to on they want it to last. So, um, that's what's generally the difference. So, now, you have an insect problem in your garden. Uh, honestly, there, there, there often is not a lot you can do Sometimes there is something you can do, but, but using the first paradigm, you often cannot really resolve the situation with the current crop that you have. You can't resolve it organically. It's sometimes the, the, by the time you notice or realize that you've got an issue, the disease or the insect presence is well established, and it's really hard to organically knock something that's well established like that. But um, you can take note in, in preparing for, for next season, okay? And, and that's one of the blessings of farming is that God gives us another, another chance, <laughs> another chance to try again. And um, so... So what can we what can we do to to deal with um, an uh, an insect pest or or disease pressure that we have right now? We're going to go over some things. 
But one thing we want to do is we want to look at the system that, that God has established. Okay, out in the natural world, do you see insect pests or diseases just running rampant? Out in the, out in the woods or, you know, in the, in the natural world, do you, do you notice that very often? Pardon? Okay, so it, it does happen, but let me ask you, is, is, that, is the, 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 the insect or the, the disease that is attacking and destroying those trees, is, is that a native thing or something that got imported? It's almost always imported. So what I, the point I'm trying to make is that in the natural world, there are checks and balances that, that keep diseases and pests from, from just going crazy. Does that make sense? It, it, this is true, and it works. And that's, that's why we have forests that continue to be forests for hundreds of years. Um, the, the diseases and pests that are uncontrolled have been brought in from outside and they don't have those natural checks and balances managing them. And so they, they just go wild. Um, but this is, this is a reason, this idea of checks and balances, this is a reason that we are very reluctant to use strong chemicals, whether, whether they're organic or not. Um, for example, pyrethrum is a, and, and a common product with pyrethrum is pyganic. And it is a very strong and very effective insecticide. And we, we, have, we do use it occasionally, but we really don't like to use it. Because if you use it, you're not going to only knock out your, your disease pest, you're also going to knock out the beneficial insects that are preying on your pest. The, the part of the checks and balances, you're knocking out the whole system. And, and then, you know, you're, you're leaving things weaker for the future. So, um, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about different organic ways that, that we can handle pests and diseases uh, when you have the problem, in the problem, just keeping in mind this bigger picture that, that we would prefer our first line of defense against diseases is to have a healthy plant. And your first strategy in having a healthy plant is to have a healthy soil. Okay, does that make sense? Okay, and I'll just make one other point. Plants do have immune systems just like we do, and they will fend off disease and they'll fend off pests, and we have seen it happen over and over again in our garden. They will fend them off if they are healthy. Well, my computer, okay, here it's coming up. I'm going to say my computer knows it's plugged into the projector, but I don't know about the projector. All right. 
So dealing with pests and diseases like that, I was saying we've seen it over and over. I can give you just one little example. We had a, a hoop house that was put in where there was a slope. And so in order to level off the ground, we had to scrape some of the ground from one side to the other side. And naturally, that scraped the topsoil all to one side of the hoop house. Is, there, is everyone tracking with that? So one side of our hoop house had unideal soil. The other side had beautiful topsoil. Let's say one end, it was, it was going lengthwise. So one end of the hoop house had good topsoil, and the other end was had, the... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we planted a bed of spinach, and you could literally see the difference with the spinach going down the hoop house. The spinach on one side that didn't have the good soil was much yellower, and was also attacked by, there were smaller leaves and was attacked by insects. The leaves were riddled with holes. And as you would go down the hoop house to the other end, where the soil was better and the plants had um, a better environment, more nutrients, the plants were much larger, greener, and there was hardly a bug hole in them. So that was just a very practical, you know, why were the bugs going for the, you know, the compromised plants? Just one of the... the rules of nature if, is in the same way if our body's health is compromised, we're going to get knocked down by a bug much faster. I mean, a different kind of bug, but, you know, it's the same principle. So dealing with pests and diseases, um, first, looking back at the big picture, this is what basically Dad was talking about. Are the pests I'm dealing with the problem itself, or are they simply a, a symptom or a messenger of a deeper problem? And if they're a symptom and there's a deeper problem, you can remove the symptom, but it's always going to come back, isn't it? I just want to say I, I really believe this, this applies in, in dealing with, with kids again. There are so many applications to, to raising children or having a family. But, you know, we often we, we have behavioral problems. Is the behavioral problem the real issue? Where's, where's the real issue? Somewhere down at the root level, isn't it, usually? Yeah. We have to deal with those things there if we want to see real success. So the first question, then, is how can I provide the most optimum environment for my plant to grow to thrive? And it goes back into everything we've been dealing with, with preparing the soil, making it um, a, a good soil that is optimum for your roots to live and to, and to thrive in, and so many other, other aspects, you know, removing the weeds, keeping the weeds away. All of that play into creating a better environment for plants to thrive. But inevitably, all of us end up facing an insect or a disease problem at some point in our garden. And so you may be wondering, okay, that's all great, but my soil isn't the best, and it's going to take years to improve it. I have an insect problem right now. What do I do? How, how can I handle this insect um, problem right now? So here are a few very practical things that you can use for dealing with some specific insects, um, diseases, and pests. Number one. Don't you think those caterpillars are pretty? <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh. So number one is dealing with caterpillars and worms. There's a product called Dipel that can be used um, by either diluting or spraying it on the plant, or you can dust it on the plant um, with a, as a powder. And what Dipel does, it's an organic product, and what it does is it can 
contains a stomach poison which destroys the worm's gut, making it impossible for the worm to eat. Uh, well, you know, they, they eat the dipel and then it destroys the gut. It's actually a bacteria that, yes. that disrupts digestion. Yeah, thank you. I said chemical, didn't I? Yeah, yeah it's actually a bacteria that disrupts their, their digestion. Um, I wouldn't suggest just going out and eating dipel. The, the nice thing about dipel is that it washes off very easily. And so um, when you're, they're often, often used on plants like tomatoes when you have tomato hornworms, uh, also cabbages when you have cabbage worms, any type of worm or caterpillar that comes from your plants. It's an effective way to, um, to deal with them if you have to deal with them you know, in the moment right now. Um, so what happens is they stop eating in as little as half an hour, and they usually die within one to three days after eating dipel. Um, now, talking about, talking about tomato hornworms, Dad was, Dad was talking about checks and balances in the natural world, and there's a very interesting check and balance with tomato hornworms, and that is there is a parasitic wasp that will attack and lay its eggs and larvae on the back of tomato hornworms. And if you can go online and you can see pictures of them where it's the tomato hornworm and you see all of these white sacks on the back of it. And we actually have it in our area. We've seen them in our garden. And it's another example of, you know, if we were so, um, so adamant about making sure that we never saw a tomato hornworm. So we killed as many off as we could. It would eventually get to the point where that wasp would also disappear because it didn't have anything to prey on. And then if the tomato hornworm came back and we didn't have the wasp, we wouldn't have that check and balance in our, in our system. Does that make sense? So just because you see something like a tomato hornworm doesn't mean that you should always kill it all the time. In fact, if we see one that has those little sacks on it, we might not kill it. You know, we might let it end its life in its own sweet time and allow a few more of those wasps to stay around. We want that check and balance to be happening. What about um, bugs with exoskeletons, squash bugs, potato beetles, Japanese beetles are a few examples. These can either be uh, vacuumed up. That's actually a way that, uh, a practical, very practical way. You can get like a shop vac and you can go out and vacuum, it, vacuum them off of your plants. It's a physical way to remove them from your garden. Uh, they can be dusted with basalt dust, diatomaceous earth, or sprayed with uh, soap. All of those are effective ways. We have even gone out in our squash fields where we had an infestation like I've never seen an infestation before or since of squash bugs. We had them everywhere. It was literally just crawling with squash bugs of all different sizes. And we literally went out and we hand-picked them off of the plants and put them in jars of soap and water. So, you know, if it gets down to it, sometimes you go out and you pick them off by hand. There, yeah, we, we do a fair bit of that. We do that with potato beetles also. Yeah. Um, dish soap with water, yeah. So you pick them and put them in dish soap and water and they die. Yeah. You can also spray them with soap. Um, aphids is another problem that many people will face. And aphids often appear, the first thing that you should consider um, is that aphids often appear 
stress caused by lack of water. So the first thing is to make sure that your plants are hydrated. Now, if you know that your plants are hydrated and they're getting enough water, your aphids may be, be coming because of another stress. And um, soap, insecticidal soaps can be used to help get rid of the aphids. I've used just dish soap and very effectively uh, took care of the aphids. We, we like to use natural soaps. You know, if you're, especially if you're going to be putting it on your plants, you want to make sure you're using some sort of a natural soap. Let me just show you this picture here. This is a picture of a before and after. Um, this is one of our little collard plants from this last year. We had let them sit in their um, little soil block for way too long. It was way overdue. We'd been traveling, and we came back, and it was, I mean, you can see it's completely riddled with holes. It was covered with aphids on the bottom, and the plant was basically brown and yellow. Um, but I had faith in it, and so we put it out in the garden. And um, this is a picture 21 days later. And what we did is we sprayed it with, um, with soap and water, and we just used dish soap. Um, we just put some dish soap and water, we sprayed it with soap and water, and that immediately kills the aphids that are on it at the time. And then I gave it some extra boost of nutrients. Um, I had a, a nutrient that I mixed with water and just put it right on the collards. And it's just, it, it had a literally a radical, a radical difference. Um, so that's, just because your plants look like uh, what it is on the left doesn't mean that that has to be the end of their story. They can... You know, I just put about, you, you know, like a quart uh, spray bottle. I just put like a, a couple teaspoons in there. I, literally what I did was I just put a couple squirts. So I didn't measure it out, um, but that's... How often did you spray it? I sprayed those once, maybe twice. A day or... No. Com um, I like that plant that was there. I sprayed it maybe. I think we maybe even sprayed it once, um, and then and then left it because um, I think we went tra we traveled again or something, um, and then came back later. And but if you if you notice that the aphids, you know, it continues having problems, then feel free to go in and and spray it again. Yeah. I've, I've tried that, and they they tend to come back. <laughs> I think you I think you you reduce the the pressure to a certain extent, but it's it's not a solution. Ladybugs are beneficial to the garden, so if you have ladybugs, um, they will actually come and and eat aphids. Oh, okay. Yeah. Excellent, excellent point. So if you see ladybugs in your garden, um, and we actually had some with our little plants there, so maybe they... Yeah, we picked the ladybugs off of our plants before we sprayed them, and then we let the ladybugs come back. So maybe they helped us out too. You know, you never know. Um, could be that checks and balances happening again in the garden as well. Thank you for pointing that out, Jackson. You can buy ladybugs. Mm -hmm. and, and there are instructions that you don't let them loose in your garden until a certain time, mm -hmm. because then they're more likely to stay in your garden. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. So that's an option as well. 
Yeah. Did we have one more question? I was going to ask you what particular brand of something you use because you use Malibuian that's not Um. Yes, I don't remember what type what type of soap we used. You can get specific specific insecticidal soaps. Um, if you go to Safer Brand, Safer Brand is an is an organic um, pesticide company, and we don't necessarily recommend all of their products. Like Dad was saying, Pyganic is something that we don't use because it's very strong. But they sell insecticidal soaps specifically for for that. So that's an option. And you can usually buy them at Lowe's or or Home Depot. They're yeah. Yeah. Dawn dish soap works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. Yep. Uh, talking about wasps, one, uh, one thing that's very fascinating to me is that most of the beneficial insects are wasps. They're, they're all different kinds of wasps, and, and they're specialized to different kinds of, of insects that they, spray, that they prey on. But um, they're, they're not wasps that are harmful to you. There's just the wasp is a, is a, there's a huge diversity of lots of different wasps. I mean, you probably don't um, want to be stung by them, but... Well, I don't think these ones that prey on, on your other insects are, are likely to sting you. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't think so. Oh, neat. Yeah. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. All right, so moving on from insects, those are, those are some practical things that you can do with insects and worms in your garden. Moving on from insects, what about fungal diseases? Fungal diseases can attack both the leaves and roots of plants. And the symptoms include rotting, dead, or swollen roots. Um, New seedling stems may rot and flop over. It's called damping off. That's a fungal disease. Spots on the leaves, mildews, white or gray powdery patches. This is probably some of the most common, especially in the south where you have a lot of humidity. Um, And then also rusty-looking leaves or wilted leaves. Like, you might have heard of, like, blights and stuff like that. Those are fungal disease symptoms. Um, treatment includes, uh, these are some things that you can use when treating fungal, fungal disease. Um, these first ones here are very much stronger. So neem, sulfur, and copper have fungicidal properties, but they can also have harmful side effects. And so we rarely use them for this purpose. Um, those are all natural and they're organic, but again, you know, you have to decide, you know, there, there are organic poisons. There's some things that you go in the woods and you don't want to eat, um, but they're still organic, right? So you have to, you have to pick and choose what you're going to use. We like to use products, some products called actinovate, double nickel, and serenade. And those first three are all very similar in the sense that what they are is they are a culture of beneficial bacteria and microorganisms that help fight and protect the harmful um, fungal microorganisms. They like to eat the the fungal diseases. And so this culture, you can then mix in with milk or water. Um, Milk is another one that that has um, antifungal properties. So you can mix actinovate, double nickel, or serenade in with milk or water and spray it on your plants. And it's a, pre- it's a preventative. In fact, it's good to use it before you even see fungal um, uh, symptoms, especially if you know that you're living in a place that is prone to fungal 
diseases, where you, and that would be especially humid, hot and humid places. Um, so it's a good protective measure, but even once you do see um, symptoms, you can come and put it on as a way to try and hold back that disease. Um, neem oil or hydrogen peroxide. Neem oil is listed in both of those there. It would be one of the um, perhaps lesser harmful ones that is, is a little bit more on the edge. Yeah, neem has both antibiotic and antifungal properties, so it's kind of nice. It works both ways. Yeah. But you, you probably would not want to combine the neem with these like the actinovate and, and other things because they are bacterial and the, the neem might kill them. Yeah, yeah, so you'd want, to, you'd want to mix those with milk or water like we, in fact, you could make a mixture of milk, water, and actinovate all together. Then what about bacterial diseases? Some symptoms of bacterial diseases are leaf spots may appear on your leaves as the bacteria produces a toxic chemical that kills the surrounding plant cells. Bacteria can also clog the plant's ability to transfer water and nutrients. Plants will then begin to wilt or droop even if they have enough moisture, um, you know, if they're getting enough water. And actually, uh, you, you want to be careful because <clears throat> A plant wilting can be caused by too little water. A plant wilting can also be caused by too much water if it's being overwatered and it begins to drown. Um, and then it can be ca also caused by bacteria. Soft rot um, is sunken areas of dead plant tissue or abnormal growth may also appear with bacterial diseases. So these are the, the, some simple things to, to diagnose your plants. Bacterial disease treatment includes using neem oil or hydrogen peroxide. And you would mix, like for instance, if you're using hydrogen peroxide, you would mix it with water and then spray it on, on your plants. And the other one, the milk, was just regular milk? Just regular cow's milk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Another, another one here is moving on to... Just say yeah. about about the milk. I've I've used it in a like a one to four ratio, and and you can use full cream or skim. It doesn't make a lot of difference. If you use full cream, you're going to have a a nice creamy smell in your garden. <laughs> yeah. All right. What about slugs? Some people have real problems with slugs, and there's an organic. Um, natural pesticide for slugs called Sluggo, S-L-U-G-O, for dealing with slugs. Um, and uh, as a funny note, ducks are another natural predator for slugs, so you can introduce ducks into your garden. Uh, they may eat some of your other ducks as well. The um, Sluggo, the, the active ingredient is um, iron. I think it's iron oxide. Uh-huh. So anyways, it's, it's, it's iron that... And it actually, it actually breaks down and basically becomes an amendment to your garden soil. And um, so it's beneficial in both ways. For grubs and pest nematodes, 
um, you can you can introduce beneficial nematodes into your garden that kind of can kind of counteract harmful nematodes, and you can purchase those similar to purchasing um, the ladybugs, and you add them into your garden. Beneficial nematodes, and this is this is Dad's note. So Dad, I'll let you talk about that. Okay, kaolin is a it's a it's a clay product, so it's a very very fine dust. And, and you, can, you can dust your plants with it or you can spray it, you know, mix it with water and spray it on your plants. But it, it just frustrates the, the chewing and biting insects. Yeah. Is that a yes, that's the brand. Um, some of these are, you know, when I, I've... I've said some things are available in places like Lowe's, but some are more specialized to organic farming, and they're not just readily available. Um, in the in this these resources, there are, there are places you can go. But I, um, one place on the East Coast that we like is Seven Springs Farm. They they sell a lot of organic amendments and and organic. Um, products to deal with with diseases and pests, and then on the west coast, uh, a place that's really good is called Peaceful Valley Farm and Supply, and their their website is called Grow Organic, mm-hmm. and they um, they have all kinds of the same thing, all, all kinds of products for organic gardening. And I would encourage you, <clears throat> both of you have pest problems as well as disease problems to to come and give your plants a little extra boost of nutrients as well in some way you can side dress them with compost i actually have a member that just emailed me not too long ago uh, i guess it was this last growing season and they said i had some eggplant she's been going through our home gardening course and uh, training and she said i had some eggplant that wasn't doing so well it was getting being attacked by flea beetles little black beetles she said i came and i side dressed it with compost and watered it and within a week it was flourishing the flea beetles were gone and it was it was absolutely amazing so there are <clears throat> giving you know, there are, are things that you can do like this to specifically target some of those pests, but don't forget to, at the same time, you can give your plants that extra nutrient boost to boost their plant immune system, in essence, and get them thriving and healthy. Remember that I did that as well with, the, with my little plant that had those aphids on it. Um, give it that extra nutrient boost. Then there are also physical controls that you can use. Uh, floating row covers... Uh, can create a physical barrier against pests, but will need to be removed for pollination. What a floating row cover is, is is it's a fabric, it's a spun-bonded fabric, it's like a dryer sheet. And so it's breathable, it allows air and sunlight to go through. And water. And water. And we use them a lot for winter growing. They act like a blanket. Um, It helps protect your plants in the winter. But you can use them as a as a physical barrier against insect pests, especially when your plants are small. So for instance, eggplant will often be attacked by those little flea beetles, and if you can put a physical cover over them while the eggplant is small, it will give them a, a head start to, um, to grow to the stage where they start flowering. As soon as they start flowering, you need to make sure to remove it so that the pollinators can come in and, and pollinate your flowers. 
Oh, the, these, these spun bonded fabrics, the, the floating row covers come in, in lots of different weights. And so if, if you're in the summertime and you're wanting to just use a, a, a row cover to, as protection against insects, you'll, you'll want to use the lightest weight. For, for the winter, we use kind of a medium weight. Yeah. All right, physical controls. Um, another thing that you can do as just a beneficial thing to your garden is that you can add marigolds to your garden. You can actually get mixes <clears throat> of flowers that are beneficial flowers that attract beneficial insects to your garden. And you can plant them around your garden and it can look beautiful at the same time. Mint, garlic, and chives are also known to help repel pests. So that's something that you can play around with and, um, and see what happens. There's no guarantee, but that they're known to do that. Some other considerations is um, crop rotation. We talked about that a little bit outside where you're not growing the same thing in the same place year after year. And that can be beneficial, especially with diseases. A lot of these bacterial and fungal diseases are soil-borne. And so they live in the soil, and you plant your plant. Um, and, uh, you know, if you're planting the same thing in the same place, it's just going to come attack it again because it's, stu it's stuck in the soil there. Maintaining good air movement. We talked about that in the very beginning when we were talking about your garden and where you're going to put it, making sure there's good air drainage so that it, there's air movement coming through your garden. One thing I've noticed, for example, with kale and aphids, um, I like to keep the, the bottom leaves pruned off, off of my, my kale, and that allows more air movement, and I think it helps to reduce the, the aphid pressure. Um, yeah. yeah. All right. Then also growing under cover, um, you know, that goes back to that physical barrier. And then also if you're growing in a hoop house or something like that, um, although most insect pests and stuff can get into a hoop house. But there are, there are diseases that tend to be transferred by water. That's right. And, and <clears throat> so rain, for example, puts... A, a lot of um, disease pressure on tomatoes and, and things in the squash family. And so if you have the opportunity to grow those things under plastic, like in a hoop house that you know, has sides up, um, you, you can have some benefits there. Yeah. And finally here is keep your garden clean of decaying material. So. In fact, as your plants are growing, you'll notice your kale plants, some of those bottom leaves will start to, to die and turn yellow as new ones are coming out the top. Just go in and, and take those out because that, those, um, those leaves, dying and decaying material can help spread disease as well. Um, and if you know that you have a disease problem and your plants are wet, then be careful because going and touching one plant that is diseased while it's wet can easily transfer that disease to other plants when you go and touch them as well. Kind of like Dad was saying with the um, moisture <clears throat> can help spread disease with tomatoes and other things. So those are some things to consider. Well, friends, we've, we've made it through. We've made it through six hours of, of class. And just before, just before we uh, wrap it up, um, I wanted to share with you, how many of you would be interested in 
a free soil test and soil analysis for your garden. You know, we talked about, we talked about how, um, how your, your soil is the foundation of your garden, right? And uh, just before we wrapped it up, we, we want, I wanted to tell you about, um, we're hosting at this conference, we're hosting a free soil test and personal amendment recommendation um, contest or giveaway. And I have some cards here where it's, it's really simple to enter. And maybe we can just pass some of these around. Um, it's very simple to enter, just your name and your email, and we'll hold a, a contest. So if you're interested in it, we'll, we'll draw a name and someone will get a free soil test and recommendation. Plus, we have um, other training resources. We have a DVD here ca called Seven Secrets of Organic Gardening that is similar to the seminar that we've given here. It's a little bit more condensed. My Uncle John gave it. And all of our garden training is up to 50% off just for the conference. So if you want more garden training, if you want to go more in-depth, we have um, an online membership where we hold your hand going through the whole process. We have a home gardening course that has over 18 hours, 40, over 45 training and demonstration videos like the ones that we just showed you. If you want to go in more depth, then make sure to come stop by our table. We'll have more training there. And for everyone that's listening later on, you can go to borntogrow.net. Otherwise, thanks so much for coming to the class. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.